0: All right, so I went to Chicago Art Museum this weekend. Yes. <laughs> and, and the modern wing is always a mixed bag, at least for me, I think for a lot of people. I walk into one of the rooms, and I see a, a stitched-together doll with clothes going down from it in a sculpture in the corner. Yeah. And there is then a trail of bananas... <laughs> stitched together these these plush bananas and then there's just a snake a plush snake lying on top of it and i walk in and i look at the picasso that's right next to it and then i look at this plush toy on the ground i'm like how are these comparable
1: well yeah snakes will eat your bananas everybody knows that
0: (laughs) welcome to wave
1: Welcome back. This is episode 5 of Waveframe. The Oscars have just been completed. Last night, yep. 2020. My name's Isaac. My name's Luke. And we're going to be talking about an album, Omiyari. We think we're saying that in an American way, but we don't speak Japanese, so we're that's how I'm going to say it. So yeah. we ask for
0: Grace, <laughs> if anybody <laughs> listening speaks Japanese, Yes. please have Grace with us.
1: Um, and we are... That's by Kishibashi, and we are also going to be talking about Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, which just won not only Best Picture, but Best International Film, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay.
0: History breaking. Yes. And we're so happy. We are very happy about that,
1: because we chose this movie yeah. way before the, it won last night, so we are very happy that it's getting press and lauded yeah and we're yeah.
0: happy to we're happy to talk about it now so um once again before we get started don't forget to follow us on our instagram and uh, like us on facebook follow us on spotify uh we are on apple podcast now this is our first episode yes where we it will be on apple podcast <laughs> as soon as we release it so thanks for your patience you apple podcast listeners yes um and yeah we'll get started uh thanks for thanks for tuning in as always Mm-hmm. so uh talking kishibashi yes
1: I first heard of him because he came to Calvin. And I was like, oh, I don't know who that is. I'm not going to go to the concert. Mm -hmm. And then I started listening to him like the week after that concert. And I was like, dang Dang it. it! (laughs) (laughs) I should have gone to the concert.
0: Uh, Yeah, very similar experience for me. So, yeah, he came to Calvin, which is where we went to school. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, neither of us went to the concert. The next week I was (laughs) carpooling uh with somebody who was at the concert and they're like yeah check this check out this music by kishibashi came to Kelvin. i'm like oh nuts <laughs> like, i missed out on something pretty cool here speaking
1: of nuts kishibashi reminds me of some sort of like like granola mix it sounds like it would be some sort of nature valley mix but that's neither you can pitch it to him here nor there but yeah i love kishibashi for many reasons I think one of the reasons why I like him so much is because he he uses so many strings. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's violins and cellos. And We were just talking about how one of his songs is called Violin Tsunami, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful song. And we're going to be talking about his latest album. And even just right away when you look at it, you're like, this is
0: beautiful. He's very tranquil. There's a very sense of peace around it, I think. Mm -hmm. So a little bit about Kishi Bashi, which uh, that's his stage name. Um, His... Actual name, someone that I'm not familiar with, but we're gonna keep on calling him Kishibashi for the mm-hmm. sake of recognizability. Um, so he is a classically trained uh, musician. He went to Berklee School, um, which is one of the most renowned music schools, uh, the wow. the greatest renowned music schools in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a multi instrumentalist. He has, I think, uh, four four official albums out, um, along with like a live album, a couple EPs. Um, those first three he did by himself, um, and played all the instruments, did the singing. Um, so yeah, he, he, classically trained violin player, um, plays, uh, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, bass, does a lot with, uh, synths and programming on the electronic end. Um, and the first couple albums are, yeah, very heavily produced, very high energy, really yeah. going nuts. Um, so the first album, uh, 151A, um, that's the album that that like first fell in love with after after he came to Calvin and we heard about it mm-hmm. um and that one is very energetic very a bit all over the place it, it's it's a lot to take in away but it also it's it's so bright and so joyful in that that well I, it's interesting his record label is called Joyful Noise uh, <laughs> record and i was like this it, it's very fitting just yeah, for yeah, his yeah, music yeah. it's just uh, super quality uh, he went into a little bit more of than a stronger pop influence um, with songs like uh, "Can't Let Go," "Juno," it's got this like traditional synth hook that's great. Um, other other songs off uh, off his other discography uh, philosophize with it, chemicalize with it. Just excellent, high energy, driven. Um, really just heartwarming music um, yeah. that really just gets you gets your heart racing in like a, the most full mm-hmm. sense of the way, not in an anxious way or like mm-hmm. a uh, oh, yeah. energy, but just like really heartfelt like joy joy filled energy. Like watching
1: a lot of colorful. Birds fly from a tree. You're it like, really
0: is. Like fly. I think 151A is my go-to like springtime album. Nice. Because it just fills me with like the vibrancy <laughs> and life mm-hmm. of the changing season and it mm-hmm. <laughs> helps me greet the greet the new spring.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I remember one of the first songs I gravitated toward I think it was a recommendation from you the the Antichrist, am I the Antichrist mm-hmm. to you? Mm-hmm. He has such a beautiful clear crisp I would maybe say high-pitched, but like, I don't know, tenor voice at times. And there's no vibrato, which is nice. I mean, he might have it here and there, but it's just very, very clear and crisp and allows, it almost makes you feel like you're in some sort of big space, like Mm -hmm. a cathedral or something beautiful. And just makes me, yeah, I think spring is a really good metaphor for that. It just makes me happy like a flower you know it just feels like new life mm-hmm. a lot of times
0: mm-hmm. yeah so that brings us into omiyari Omi, omiyari Omiari. <laughs> Omiari. Yeah. and so that is the first album that he really brought in more musicians to collaborate on um he took a as, and he also took a step back from the more electronic side it's probably i would say it's the least produced of his albums that he's put out um it's, it's kind of like a nice like picnic in the park or I feel like like and some of it adds another a new like folk element into his music that isn't as present in some of the other albums so it's more driven by uh, piano acoustic guitar um s- some strings and then some really clean electric guitar as well that kind of does these volume swells in and out really tasteful it's just a really pure sounding really. Really light and breezy album, and you, yeah, you talked about the album, the artwork, the, yeah, the it's aesthetic. It's just a bunch of uh, porcelain, porcelain polished wood or wood, yeah, polished yeah. uh, birds. birds, and it's just very fitting with with yeah. the aesthetic of the album. It it
1: it's like refined. I don't know my. My grandma used to always be into bird she had like a bird clock and a lot of bird stuff and it just feels like that but minimalist. Yeah. I don't know and, mm-hmm. and it's a really, really nice looking like I want it on my wall. That's some of the best album art it can just be art in and of itself and then amplifies the what the music has to offer. Mm-hmm. And I <clears throat> I think it's perfect fit. I want one of those from the photo. Like how cool would that be? I like
0: the each some of the singles he released yeah. from that album are the same white background and then just has one of the birds Ugh, as the focal point. I love it's, that. It's pretty stuff. cool. Um, so, from a musical perspective, so uh, Kijibashi, he is uh, American. His parents were first generation, they themselves immigrated from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, musically, I wouldn't say that that. The eastern influence and the and Japanese music is as prevalent in general with this music, but you do see a bit more of that in this album. Um, uh, there's the obvious uh theme from Jerome, which uh, in then parentheses, like forgotten words, and it's talking Mm -hmm. about um, a family of of Japanese Americans. Um, and this mother is singing to her children forgot like the quote is forgotten words from Japan. Oh, and so that uh, is very on the nose lyrically, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well, seeing that influence, but. Um, as well, you see, with the kind of the there's a la 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 section with this light dancing vocal, you can start to hear the scales and sort of the tonal consistencies that's more familiar. Um, f- from Japanese historical music. And, and I'll say right now, Japanese music and in general, music from the Eastern Hemisphere is what I'm much less familiar with. Yeah, yeah And obviously yeah. Western music as yeah. we live in, in the U.S. But even out of them comparing, uh, you know, African rhythms, African music, and yeah. Middle Eastern uh, Indian music, I'm much more familiar with those even than than uh, Eastern, for, for example, in Japanese music. So I'm going to do my best to assess this, but by no means I'm an expert.
1: <laughs> Why? Well, I- it's a good thing that we are not falling into the tendency of like, oh, all Asian music is gonna sound similar. You know that that I'm glad that we're specifying Japanese and even in that there's gonna be many many different types. Um, uh,
0: after theme from Jerome, there's a meal for leaves, which as well is is a totally instrumental piece. It's uh, it's very lamentful. Um, and you start to get pieces of those. Uh, that traditional Japanese music as well. Um, at least from what I'm familiar with and Mm -hmm. and can assess. Um, I would say that's at least musically the, the limit of the, the influence of maybe, um, his identity as a Japanese American, um, in the, the musical elements of the piece. But the, the lyrics of this album are, are a whole nother animal and we'll get into that a little bit, but yeah, I have to say like
1: the lyrics of the album are the part where I am probably lacking. Like Mm -hmm. I, love the music so much but i need to like listen to the lyrics more as i listen to this album
0: well and it's it's so i think it's easy with an artist like Kishibachi to to disregard lyrics almost in a way because the music and the and his tone of mm-hmm. voice along with the music that he's composing is just so beautiful to just yes. lose yourself in and it's like i don't even care what we're singing about here i can just feel the soul and and the person emanating out of the the tones that are coming from these speakers that i'm listening to
1: yes yes
0: Um, I, so I know you like Mary Gold's is one of your favorite songs off this album due to, I think the, you said the strings at the beginning, right? It's the plucked violin. Yes.
1: It just sounds like a little bird's feet on some wire or something. Is this happy feet? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I also really like the first song,
0: Uh, Penny Rabbit
1: and Summer Bear. Bear. Like what a good intro. Mm -hmm
0: fantastic and that already like from the start of the album you can te- tell there's something different going on from that we talked about how it's very energetic in his past discography and then Penny Rabbit and Summer Bear is just this breath it, like that, it's just an inhale and exhale it's just like hey new album's coming out this is the first song it's gonna be a little bit more relaxed we're taking we're taking a step back and I, I think would that, say, that sets the tone well I would
1: say out of all of his songs there's a lot of good ones to start with but start with Penny Rabbit and Summer Bear mm-hmm. because that's it's like a little kid's story book come to mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Only feels like a little bit more mature. I don't mm-hmm. know.
0: It remind me of <laughs> it feels like similar uh, certain aspects to "Dirty Paws" by Monsters and Men. That's oh, well, I throu- not... Except that one's much. It's similar like telling a story about mm-hmm. these animals, mm-hmm. but that one is a bit more darker. I yeah. Feel like, but... in tone. This is the lighter, the lighter companion mm-hmm. to it. Um, the the lighter sibling. Um. Uh, I think, and immediately that you you see, it's it's not very processed like this. You could get like a four person ensemble together and just play through this live without mm. like any processing, any because he's known for Kijibashi when he was a solo artist in particular. Live, he would do lots of loop pedals, lots okay. of yeah. He it's really cool. He he takes the violin and puts it through a lot of these processing effects that you're you'd see more with electric guitar. So you have this delay echo effect that you hear that's that's stuttering than his violin, and you do hear that a little bit in a song like Mary Gold, like that very. Stuttering those mm-hmm. those plucked uh, violin notes, um, but yeah, the the reverb from a guitar, all, all these different elements that are more processing it and looping it, so he can do these things live and really make some unique uh, sounds that that you don't catch a lot of other places. I mm-hmm. think. Um, I'm trying to think uh, uh, musically. We talked about the we we mentioned the folk element a little bit in songs like Angeline. Um and uh, in Annie, Heart Thief of the Sea, which ends it, it's like this old sea ditty. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> It's like you. I would sing it if I was at a campfire, mm-hmm. like a bonfire. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting. A new, a new element that he approaches in this album that hasn't been seen before. I think in his, his in his previous, yeah.
1: Album. I love that he's evolving, mm-hmm. and plus, like, it feels like you can go back. You can you can go either way. You can go from the beginning beginning of his discography, or from the most recent and either one's fine.
0: I uh, think I'll be curious to see if this is marking a new direction for him or if it's going to be kind of like a, a breath of fresh air before he dives back into the more process. That would be interesting.
1: Again. Well, wouldn't it be in very interesting to see him live like three years ago and now him today mm-hmm. having the extra, instrumentals and he's actually coming to hope in april oh really yeah somebody just told me that so i want to go well,
0: that's local we should try yeah. to catch that yes musically they're just a very approachable very easy element to to be able to diagnose at multiple layers it's not only pleasing on the ears but there's some really complex you can you can hear and and get at some you can tell he's classically trained that mm-hmm. is clearly it's an element of the writing that that this album has and, and his other things as well um as other albums but um something that i didn't appreciate uh, until recently and and a lot came up more as i was researching in preparation for us to talk about this but Mm -hmm. the lyrical side of this is really multi-layered in ways that i was not not expecting and hadn't picked up
1: oh please do tell (laughs) because i know nothing about
0: this so this was a lot of fun to research um because it gave the album a whole lot more weight so uh we mentioned how kishibashi is an american with uh His parents uh, immigrated from Japan Mm -hmm. um, and he chose to speak to a lot of modern issues dealing with immigration um, uh, and borders uh, and treatment of of citizens and non-citizens within the United States Mm -hmm. um, by looking back at the Japanese internment camps of World War II in wow. which, um, after you know, with fear of Japan and World War II, across the Pacific, um, many Japanese families were put in these internment camps, and they were U- They were U.S. citizens. Yeah, they, yeah. It was, it was the they just it,
1: were Japanese. So mm-hmm. people were like, "I don't trust you."
0: Yeah, um, and they were awful conditions, and yeah, they just took these families and put them in these internment camps. God. So he's speaking to that, and some of these songs. So, for example, we'll start with. Uh, Analyzed in summer of 42, that is one okay. of the songs of, of this. So 1942, yep. right in World mm-hmm. War II range. And then um, it's, it's a love song, and it's about um, these two people, a man and a woman, who meet in one of these camps. Ooh. He ends up going off to fight. The U.S. conscripts him then to fight in okay. World War II. Yeah. Uh, he comes back, and his love has moved on. So it's primarily a song <sighs> about love, and uh, it's a gorgeous melody in in the the chorus, and it's talking about, like, the first day I met you, I wrote down, uh, like, I think I'm in love with you, I love you. Uh, and that chorus comes back, and, and eventually he's back. He comes back, he knows she's moved on, and he, it says, and, and I'm screaming to the mountains and to the valleys, I was in love with you. Like, oh. and it's this heartbreaking, and this such oh. <laughs> this pretty and melodic music. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's almost juxtaposed in a way the, the heartbreak of the material. lyrics yeah. with the yeah, with the music that's going yeah, on. How yeah, how do you really... feel
1: about that? When when songs sound super happy and have sad lyrics, or it sounds super sad and they have happy lyrics. Mm-hmm.
0: Like... I think it's incredibly effective. I personally am a big fan. Effective <laughs> at what though? I think because when when I start hearing a song, and I mean I feel like I shouldn't have these tendencies, but I do, I immediately hear the first couple notes. I'm like, all right, this is the tone of this song. You know, mm-hmm. they're setting you up for something. Is it a sad song? Is it a happy song? And then it's almost a mix, a misdirection. That's like a plot twist in a movie. It all of a sudden spins in a different direction, and it creates, you know. And I don't think, you know, like in our emotional development as humans, and moment to moment, it's not like I'm happy in this moment. Yeah. I'm sad in this moment. Yeah. We're always a mixture, uh-huh. and and I think that that the misdirection of musical direction and lyrical direction with songs like these and what artists have been doing for for yeah hundreds of years. Oh yeah, uh, it it serves to the the fact that we are a mixed bag at Uh, any given moment and there's lots of different things moving around inside of us. And that movement I think makes them more central to human nature.
1: Yeah. Trying something new and mixing it up and seeing how that could actually ring truer sometimes to human emotion and how complex that is, is really interesting to me. Like in movies you can play a, a happy song and have like a torture scene happening or something like that. And then, You know, you could have people who are like, that's totally inappropriate and um, not at all fits the (laughs) scene. But then Quentin Tarantino is like, well, just have some fun with it. (laughs) Like, you know, there's this famous interview with (laughs) Quentin Tarantino where somebody's like, Why all the violence, Quentin? And he's like, because it's so much fun. I entered that interview. Anyway, but uh,
0: it's it's just very effective because we know we're trained to see patterns and then we're like, this is not what I'm used to seeing. Something's off here. yeah it draws your attention to it Mm -hmm. so effectively.
1: Yeah, and draws you in deeper and deeper. Cool. I want to hear more. I want to hear more.
0: um, the we mentioned theme for Jerome musically already, but moving from Summer Forty Two into theme for Jerome. So Jerome was the name of a relocation center. Oh. Um. For uh, I think primarily Japanese families. Yeah. Um. In I, uh, I saw I think it was in Texas. I could be wrong. Somewhere in the United mm-hmm. States. Um. And that's the one that follows this Japanese family, and it talks about you know setting up, starting new, and trying to carry with you these traditions and this culture that's core to your identity. Um, especially for these first-generation immigrants, um, but losing that as as you're getting shifted around, and it's this that, that's <sighs> yeah. I'd say the most. It, it's very mournful. This song. It mm-hmm. starts out with this cello that is this beautiful cello solo that starts the piece, and it, it sets you up for the gravity of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just very. It, you just you feel bonded to the characters that are mentioned in this. Yeah, I don't know, it's narrative in a way. It's not specific to specific. Characters, you know, they don't have names, but you can definitely get the narrative of what's going on in the song. Um, I'm uh,
1: super excited uh, to dive back into this album knowing these things. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it would really enrich the experience.
0: Um, Angeline is a song that is more... Yeah, it's folky. It's kind of like... It feels like a... Um, minor 49er Clementine a little bit But it's about you know this, this guy who's working in these mines Also speaking to the forced labor of yeah. these internment camps These are all influences These really painful, historically uh, prominent influences yeah. That are, are close to him as someone who is of Japanese descent And uh, in America mm-hmm. uh, Something that happened in America to Japanese people And Japanese Americans so uh, I just think that the way he's able to speak to that in a way that isn't angry is very interesting. Coming from someone, myself, who's been listening to a lot of Rage Against the Machine <laughs> it's a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah,
1: do you, what, what emotion do you think it is then?
0: Well, I, I think what it comes down to is what he's choosing to do is focus on the human elements of these stories because that is the constant of all these experiences is the human element. And I think that I'm looking forward to talking about Parasite in, yeah. in combination with this album, because I think there are some themes there that we can hit on uh, after we talk about Parasite a bit more. But ultimately, this is an album about people and about the their feelings as they walk through life and the relationships they have, both romantic, non-romantic, but the meaningful things that happen to them. And in the midst of hardship, it still focusing on them, which then gives the hardship... Or or some not all of them are about hardship in this yeah. album the uh, the the brighter parts of life as well but it gives them a new lens to see through and through the eyes of a human being that's just like you. Um, yeah. On om, <laughs> is that this Japanese word it, it, uh, I I can't say the exact definition um, off, off what I remember but you can just it is yeah it is speaking and what he wanted to do and through his music and drama, but especially this album it's seeking um, empathy through a relationship with people who are different than you it's wow. like that is his goal of this is to build that empathy yeah and you know you do that by focusing on seeing the eyes seeing through the eyes of people who are different than you
1: yeah and like the real stuff that a lot of people would shy away from because it's hard to think about that you know our ancestors or the people before us did these things mm-hmm. and we are we doing them today? Mm-hmm. Some would say yeah. yes. Well, yeah, um, and he, Kishibashi would say yes. yes. That's yes. why
0: he wanted to make this album, is uh-huh. to point out what's going on by looking through the historic lens. You know, I don't know what, what historians say. <laughs> we, we started the past so that we can not <laughs> well, repeat ourselves. Okay, sure, but, 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 like, but
1: like, that's a real cliche that means a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, Taika YTT was just talking about that. That's why he made Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. is because he doesn't want us to. And he actually wrote the script... Back in twenty twelve, and mm-hmm. he's like, "It's more relevant today." So that's sad, but also mm-hmm. good. <laughs> like uh, you know, need to hear it more. Exactly, and so he's like, "This is the perfect time for this movie to come out." And I think some uh, organization that like tries to educate people on the past of like I think World War Two. It's called. It has a F and an S in it. They're using his movie as educational oh, really? material that's for. Excellent. Yeah, that's I know, excellent. right?
0: plug we're not talking about jojo rap in yeah, this episode but, but excellent movie that yes, you should also go see yes when yeah. and when it speaks to when we're talking about empathy and mm-hmm. that's a movie that is incredibly effective at that it and really is a lot of recognition yeah a lot of respect for this album even more now that i i myself have learned about the heart of the album and Akishibashi's kishibashi's influences and inspiration for why he wanted to write it um it just approachable on so many levels and and so great to witness and it it I think it truly just does the the empathy flows out of this album and it makes you f- it, it helps you feel connected to those around you in in new ways at least I, I find that to be true.
1: I think even on the practical side, it's great that it's so it's not bite-sized but it's not mm-hmm. too long.
0: Yeah, I think ten songs. yeah, is, yeah.
1: and somebody who, has this past of where he's an American, but he is also Japanese and his parents came from Japan. He could have this identity crisis, but instead it feels like he's feeling very comfortable with fusing the two together and a whole new identity. And the fact that he can use the past to be relevant today is beautiful. I love this album and I'm going to love it even more in the future. I just know... (laughs) That, so I'm, I'm very happy that we talked about it <coughs> Excuse me. because I'm super excited to see him in concert sometime.
0: All right, that's a wrap on Omiyari. Yes. Kishibashi.
1: Um, the reason why we put these two together is simply because we're exploring Asian influence on America um, and we're going to be talking about Parasite, which just won Best Picture. Bong Joon-ho won Best Director and they also won Best uh, International Film which was recently changed to international film from foreign language film and he, in all of his speeches or in one of his speeches Bong Joon-ho was talking about how he was happy that they changed it and it's it's so interesting to hear what he has to say because he the way he speaks and the way he like everything his body language and and what he says just makes me believe that he is so down to earth and grounded and just you know i would say humble i think is humble but also knows his talent and Bong Joon-ho said that you know if you can just get past the barrier of some subtitles it'll open a whole new world of good movies for you to watch absolutely <laughs> and so you know i think one of the best things to hopefully come out of this situation of parasite winning best picture Will be people being like, "Oh, Korean movies are good. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> other movies with subtitles mm-hmm. are good." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just I'm gonna quick give an overview and um, S- spoiler free. As, yeah,
0: as always, we'll start the spoiler yeah. free and we'll let you know before spoilers uh, come into play. So, yeah. *Parasite* the fear.
1: is a movie set in South Korea about um, a lower, lower class family. They're not the lowest class, but they're a lower class family. And class is a big theme, and it's not subtle, but it is done very, very well. This lower-class family who need to find jobs. They need to find jobs um, for obvious reasons, and they try a few things, and stuff doesn't pan out until one of uh, the son, their family, uh, they all live together, the son's friend's friend comes over, and his, the son's friend says, hey, I'm tutoring this girl, I'm teaching her English, would you do that because I'm going abroad? So that's the general basis of it. And then the family tries to get out of their lower class standing. And it's funny because his friend wants him to be the tutor because his friend is like, I'm in love with this girl. I don't think you're going to do anything. You need to protect her from other men. (laughs) Um, So she doesn't date somebody else because when he comes back, when she graduates from high school,
0: he's going to ask her out. Is that enough?
1: I think, yeah, that's, yeah.
0: A, that's a great setup for the movie. There's uh, so
1: much that else that happens, but I don't want to spoil it.
0: Yeah, and I think that you, you spoke to, you know, uh, class is a big part of this movie. Yes, big I part. Think,
1: and we'll get more into that.
0: And it, it's very interesting because within, I think, within each of the members of the family, so there's the mom, dad, son, daughter. Yep. Each of them is going through their own yes, path. in they all movie. have some, their own character. Some are accentuated a, a bit more than others, so mm-hmm. I think that... The the dad and the son pro I would say dominate most of the story arcs I would I would argue it it I I would maybe agree with
1: that but the mom and the daughter are integral oh, to the movie oh very very yeah.
0: much so um so within this the setting of the you know this lower class upper class juxtaposition in South Korea there are each these individual arcs that you're caught along with as well I yes. I know we and the people we are watching this movie with it's this is another, you know, this is why it's cool to compare this to Omiari, is yeah. you just fall in love with each of these oh, characters word, in their yes. own unique way. <laughs> the, there's not, I don't know, for us there wasn't a character that we're like, that we didn't connect with or yeah. that we didn't love to some extent.
1: Even the people who are wealthier class mm-hmm. and you're supposed to know that they're in opposition Mm -hmm. like they're working against in a way or taking Mm -hmm. advantage like hence the title of the movie Mm -hmm. um (laughs) they're they're taking advantage of these rich people Mm -hmm. and you even connect with the rich people because to a certain extent because Mm -hmm. you're like oh they're not bad people Mm -hmm. they're just ignorant (laughs) yeah
0: two two different families from two different worlds yes i think yeah it's it's quick i think to put the the lower class family as the main characters of this yeah. movie and i mean they are to a certain extent but mm-hmm. also in a way i think it's fair to say this is a story about two families and in in the contrast to each other as you were just talking about so i think that this movie is just it, it, it's incredibly well done it just speaks to the complexity the human elements in a way that does it well that gives life to all these other issues because you're viewing them from this empathetic perspective of someone else's eyes
1: and if it was done poorly you'd be like i get it. the theme is Mm -hmm. class war Mm -hmm. or like you know tension and okay this is dumb because it's so heavy-handed but because they're grounded in three-dimensional realistic people Mm -hmm. with understandable motivations you're like I don't know what's gonna happen, and I'm really stressed yeah. <laughs> out because I care about each this, of these people.
0: <laughs> Excuse me, it does keep you on the edge of your seat.
1: You want me to go into like the history uh, a little bit of Bong Joon Ho's career? I think
0: that'd be because yeah, that's great spoiler to find free. It. Yeah, let's and let's then we can do this, dive we'll in. Go into yeah,
1: okay. So um, Bong Joon Ho uh, was born in 1969, <laughs> um, so he's he's like middle aged, and um, he has made like five or six, um, full length, feature length movies. Um, but it's really interesting because most of his movies are about class in some way. And so one of the first movies that really put him on the map was the host, which is this movie where if you were back in 2006, going to be talking about this, when the host came out, that that's one of the ones that i think jumped the pond so to say he's from south korea um, the host is this i think monster slash i haven't seen it but um, monster slash like this is either zombie or monster movie but just tra- one of bong jun ho's trademarks is fully fleshed out three-dimensional characters and so a lot of zombie movies you'd be like oh that's the <laughs> that guy who's that <laughs> when i go or, to yeah. zombie movies i don't go for yeah. the three-dimensional exactly characters. <laughs> exactly so and themes that are that are done really well mm-hmm. so um bong joon ho his dad was like a graphic design uh, person who worked with businesses and his mom was a stay-at-home mom and we were talking about this earlier that when he went to the college he went to he participated in riots and often got like tear gassed and stuff fighting for democracy and in South Korea. And then after that, he had to do his mandatory two years with their military. Um, so he's, he's been through some stuff. Um, and, and I think his mindset is reflected as with every good artist reflected in his art. He has made some movies that people might have heard about. So Chris Evans stars in Snowpiercer, which is the first Bang Jun Ho movie I've I saw, and that is one of the most on the nose, but but done really well class uh, d- divisions because they're literally the humanities on this train, and the back of the train is the lowest class, and the front of the train is this highest power slash the highest class. Um, so I don't know. I don't want to get too much into Snowpiercer, but...
0: I, I do, do think an important question about Snowpiercer, though, Isaac, is would you recommend watching it with <laughs> subtitles or without subtitles <laughs> in your own okay. personal experience?
1: So I really wanted to watch Snowpiercer, like, four years ago, maybe five. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. And I was just watching it by myself. And I found this, like, online site that had Snowpiercer on it. And I was getting towards the end. And actually, the dad in in Parasite... P- is the person oh, I'm going to be talking okay. about in Snowpiercer so you know how like Leonardo DiCaprio has been in a lot of Scorsese movies mm-hmm. same with Robert De Niro mm-hmm. it's kind of like I don't know his name off the top of my head but Bong Joon-ho has worked a lot with, with the, actor. the, the okay. father Excellent. in Parasite and so <laughs> I was watching I was listening to him talk and I was like this is interesting that the director chose not to put on subtitles <laughs> for this scene or and then there was more and more scenes where the guy was definitely not talking like in English. yes you're like
0: i feel like i'm yes. some information yeah i know
1: point. it was like three minutes of like absolutely me not understanding what he was talking about <laughs> and then i watched it again later i've seen it like three or four times and i was like oh my word there's subtitles so <laughs> the, don't watch any of his movies without subtitles if you can't speak korean so um yeah i got a lot of insight into what the movie was about after i watched it with subtitles snow piercer is an excellent movie tilda swinton and um john hurt hurt uh something anyway he died recently you know, in V for Vendetta, the Overlord, mm-hmm. yeah, he's that guy. He's really good in it. He also it plays is John Hurt
0: because there's an alternate yes, song that John Hurt. Him.
1: Yes, he also plays Ollivander in Harry Potter. I oh, like that. Anyway, he's <laughs> a fantastic actor. Um, Akja, Okja came out, which was about um, this girl who wanted to save her super pig. Um, that was on Netflix. So that there's a few movies that he has done where you can tell that. They've gotten more recognition slowly, more and more in America, in the West. Um, so pretty much, a lot of what I gained insight from was this YouTube channel called Just Right. Sage Hyden um, is the creator of Just Right, the YouTube channel, and he talks about uh, Bong Joon Ho's filmography and how, in each of his movies, um, it deals with the problem of class and and how. Timeless of a theme is that, and um, there's a key line in Parasite where, well, actually, the father's like, Oh, she's so nice, the rich lady is so nice, and the mother's like, No, she's not nice and rich, she's nice because she's Mm -hmm. rich, Mm -hmm. and everything gets smoothed out, all the creases get smoothed out when you're rich, you don't have to like worry about you know providing for yourself and your family when you're rich. And um, the, the the interesting thing is that he doesn't give easy answers. So if you want to, like, go more into what uh, Just Right is talking about, um, you should watch that YouTube video. Just look up Parasite Just Right. Um, that's W-R-I-T-E. He never gives, like, one-dimensional answers because even in Parasite, you're really not sure what they should have done or where's the line or, like, I was just listening to them, uh, both uh, the the actor who plays the son in Parasite and Bong Joon-ho. They did notes on a scene. And um, the son, the actor who played the son, was saying that... Do you want to just go into spoilers? I think, spoilers? yeah, we should. Spoiler time for Parasite. Um, this family, and if you don't care, here's a little overview. This family, um, like a Parasite, um, slowly, one by one gets employed by um, pretending to have credentials and being competent and and pretending that they're not actually a part of this family, uh, Uh, a whole family.
0: And they do this by making sure that the existing staff is all given the boot. Yes. And and whether that's planting, Mm -hmm. different things that that make it seem like they're sick or or assaulting their character, they they begin to insert themselves and replace these staff one by one.
1: Yeah, and it's really interesting because... You're rooting for this family, but you know what they're doing is wrong. And s- some of us watching it were was like, "Oh, this feels like Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> there are some elements. There's a, like a lot of fun things where, like, oh, the 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 lady's allergic to peaches, so you gotta like very subtly like put some peach dust on her and then pretend that she has tuberculosis. Yeah. Anyway, it and it all works because the rich lady, the wife, is so naive mm-hmm. and um kinda dumb. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. um <laughs> simple as I think they say in yes, the movie. Yeah, exactly. So Parasite is, I think, a really cool choice to happen to have the best picture given to it because it it, it feels like him at the top of his game. He very much just nails it. I mean, all the acting is done impeccably and the shots are gorgeous, and they made, like, the house for this movie, and you can tell that each of the choices made were, or most of the choices made were very intentional. Like, even at the beginning of the movie, when the son is talking to his rich friend, and he realizes that the rich friend wants him to pretend, you know, do this soft crime, pretend that he has the credentials and the and the uh, the schooling to tutor this young girl in English, the bus rushes by behind him, and, that's, and the music cuts out. And I was watching the movie, and I was like, oh, I bet that was an intentional choice. And then through the notes on the scene, you realize the actor was like, it took us like three or four takes to get that right because you have to time it with the dialogue, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. bus coming by. So just... Really interesting stuff like that. And they live in a house where it's not completely underground, but it is uh, kind of has a a window. Yeah, it's a semi-basement. Exactly. It has a window where, yeah, it's kind of trashy outside, but there's hope. There's hope to look outside and move up. So it's all about this this upward uh, ascension. These choices are so interesting because if you're watching a lesser movie, they just live in some place and that wouldn't, wouldn't... contribute to the story um snowpiercer is the one i've seen so i can connect it to that too it's interesting because snowpiercer is way more like fantastical and each section of the of the train is so different in in every every way but this one feels more grounded and i was telling you guys when we were watching it i was like oh i could i could believe all these things happening although you know very unlikely that a lot of these events would happen I could believe that they have happened. Stranger things have happened in real life. You know, even the ending, it's so artfully done. feels so grounded and realistic, but but he never ever loses his style and his flair and his his uh, intentional direction. Like, for example, in the end, um, you see kind of this weird sort of you you can interpret it how you want to will the son be able to buy the house or will he not be able to buy the house? And then in one of the notes that, that, uh, the director had on that scene, you know how, when you write a script, you, you, you write kind of your own ending mm-hmm. for it. And so some people probably wouldn't like to read the script, but there's this paragraph at the end where, uh, the director says the audience knows that he'll never be able to mm. get enough money to buy that house. Because he wants to buy the house because his father's stuck in the house, um, in the basement, in this hidden basement. So, I don't know. I want to hear about, why did you give it five out of five stars? I'm sorry if this sounds disjointed, but there's so many thoughts.
0: And there's so much to unpack. It's, it's a, yes. It's deserving of the best picture. that. Uh, yeah, last
1: seriously. Night. <laughs> and in watching it last night, you can ask my housemates, like, I was so jazzed, mm. so excited for this to be getting the recognition it deserves because mm-hmm. it really, truly does
0: deserve mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it was funny. Well, when I was telling you about my Oscar predictions that yes. I was going out, and like, oh, you're saying Parasite for Best Picture. Like, yeah, people don't think it's going to happen, but that'd be so great if it did. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, I chose it because yes. I'm optimistically hoping for it. It'd be so great. <laughs> and then it did. It yes. was so, such, a, such a cool thing. Uh, um, but I think, yeah, uh, what I spoke to a little bit before the connection it is the, the characters really roped me in off the bat, um, falling in love with them. I think that... Because I do like a movie with a good uh, plot twist or at least unexpectedness to it. Uh This movie, definitely, you mentioned this turning point, halfway. You, You don't know where it's going to go because... We've walked through the plot a little bit. This family starts to establish themselves, and everything is just going well. They mm-hmm. like they're able to infiltrate, and you feel good. You're like, oh, yeah. this is this is yes, great. Yes. And we are joking with these with the people we're watching with. We know traditional movie formats. We're like, when is it gonna fall apart? It's yes. gonna fall apart sometime yes. because yes. that's what happens. Then to piece it back together. But you're like, is this a traditional movie following this traditional format? It it doesn't fall apart in, immediately when you think it's going to. Yeah. It, it twists in a way when you find out that the old housekeeper, who they who who they were responsible for firing, yes, they had, were definitely yeah, responsible, yeah, who they yeah. caused to be fired, <laughs> has her husband hidden in the secret basement living there.
1: That guy's got one of the creepiest faces he, in the business. Yes, well,
0: another one of our friends who had seen this movie before <laughs> us said one of the most terrifying frames of movie that I've yeah, ever seen yes. is in this movie, uh, and, um, that is, and he was right. And he was right. There's, oh my god! Terrifying scene. <laughs> With I can't get it out of my head up. sometimes. It was, it was hard to go to bed after that. because <laughs> um, he's living in this basement like this ghoul, this ghost. And, and anyway, and he's and,
1: not an actually a ghoul yes, or a ghost. Yes, yeah. he's
0: just he, he's on the run from yeah. loan sharks who he owes money to, yeah. and the wife is is providing for him. Mm-hmm. Then secretly, without the family who owns the house knowing. <gasps> Um, so all of a sudden, it opens up this new unexpected turn that you're like, how now is this family going to deal with this? And then the rest of the movie is them responding to that as, and then more more things happen. They they have to sort out how to how to keep their secret from the family when they're almost all caught together in the house after hours, and their oh. their house floods their semi basement, yeah. and they have to respond to that. And all the while the tension is building, you can see the dad is getting more and more twisted up and and the the music the sound editing element yes. you can feel the tension building
1: and you can see it in his performance mm-hmm. and the way he way he is in the movie that this type of class uh distinction gets to him the mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. the most violently mm-hmm. in a way yeah. oh he's like a ticking time bomb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's gonna break he's gonna
0: I- break. Yeah, you kept on saying yeah. that. You know, like every time it showed its face at the end of it, you're like, he's going to break. And he does. Yes. And it, it, it's just, I, I think this movie just balanced really well, keeping with the traditional format in a way of that, you know, rise and fall climax yeah. that that we're familiar with and why we're gripped by stories, uh-huh. but also subverting your expectations in just the right way that yes. it was a new and fresh take mm-hmm. on, on a storyline. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's full of rewatchability. Because mm-hmm. it's so interesting. Even when you know... You see where the dad stabbed um, the rich guy, mm-hmm. the rich man, is the same place where his daughter got stabbed. Really? You know, in the sense. Uh,
0: yeah. You know, it's Industrial just. Choices. It's full
1: of that <laughs> stuff. And then <coughs> you, you, we could even unpack the, the loan shark guy. He has created, in his own mind, Mr. Park the mm-hmm. rich guy as like a god mm-hmm. you know because he provides oh yeah
0: because if you were stuck in a basement for yeah, years on end exactly
1: yeah. and then he like uses Morse code and like oh
0: it's oh, oh this movie really gets to me The I'd say the one thing that yeah. I did not like I want to hear about it Uh so at what point their basement floods with sewage water <laughs> and and the rich people have been commenting on their smell already. Cause yeah. they're from the streets. Yeah. Um, but then it, there's a moment it, after their, their house floods where, uh, he, the dad smells really bad. And the wife is responding to that. She's rolling down the window in the car. He's driving and like, can't get away from the smell. Um, uh, meanwhile, the son who is also in this flooded basement is making out with the daughter of this rich family. And I'm like, is she not smelling the <laughs> switch? Like I feel like it's going to be a bit more prevalent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that's a silly thing to no, do. Think, but it's uh, the one thing where I was like, hmm. here, Here's <laughs> the thing. I,
1: I actually don't think that's a silly thing because the movie pays attention to details so well. Um, if it was another movie, that might be a little silly. But in my own head, that I hope they had some sort of access to... A shower uh, that they both could have taken, so maybe the their smell was just because I I interpreted the scene where the lady like plugging her nose and smelling him was an illusion a, a reference back to when mm. she was talking to her husband and her husband was like yeah he, about he, the smell he, the smell goes okay. over the line okay so you and think then,
0: the sewage smell was not a part of that you I
1: mean think? here's the thing it should have been I feel like mm. but. I kind of think maybe not, but but the theme of smell was definitely really interesting because the the kid is the first one to notice that they all smell mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I would, but they were all in a gym, and so maybe access to a shower would not have been very easy at all. So I don't even know my own thoughts on that. I would have to rewatch it, but I think for me. I just gave it a four and a half out of five stars because I wanted to see it again before I knew mm-hmm. my final thoughts on it and how, how, if, if it is like a, I don't know what, whatever you want to call it, great or perfect mm-hmm. movie. I, I don't really care if a movie's no movie is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's your definition for perfect? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but I really, really enjoyed it so much. And I want to see these characters, not these characters, but, these actors in different stuff. Because I think there wasn't a weak link. No. Was there?
0: Absolutely not. Yeah. What else? uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing this again.
1: Yeah, let's do that soon. What else stuck out to you, like, like, was highlighted in some way?
0: I think the, the, the general just... The contrast, I mean, part, partially it was just natural environments in which those families lived. But even just the settings you found them in, the, the class differential is very clear. You know, the mm-hmm. with the semi-basement, they have this man, you know, repeatedly peeing outside their yeah. window. Yeah. Um, you go to the the house and just the aesthetic. Everything is these crisp, hard edges, These this modern... What a uh, beautiful
1: home. Beautiful,
0: natural light is filling yes. this this place. The housekeeper is picking up after the children. It's mm-hmm. just... I, I just thought the, the class was... It, it, it didn't feel on the nose. It, mm. it just felt like these because you're reviewing it f- through the eyes of the characters. Sure, it's just True. it was the worlds they were living in. Yeah, maybe it, on yeah.
1: the nose is the wrong mm. phrase. Yeah, no, I'd yet. say
0: it, it wasn't on the nose. Yeah, yeah. no, mm. no,
1: I know, but on the nose sounds demeaning in some mm-hmm. way. But this is it just reflects reality. I feel like
0: there's a, there's the right amount of subtlety to it. Yes, exactly.
1: Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to mention about this movie because you could. Have a three-hour conversation about this movie, or write, you know, a paper. Essays. Oh, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> really, we can't recommend this movie highly enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: But, but I think what was what I often find when I when I watch a, a subtitled movie, subs not dubs, um, <laughs> when I kind of it feels a little bit like you're visiting a different country or a different culture. It's so refreshing to try different foods metaphorically i don't know just be breathing different air and 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 seeing things in a very different way and and it's heartwarming to connect with people who speak a different language than you or who have different mannerisms but you can still like fully connect with the wants and needs and it it does make you feel universally more connected to everybody because we this movie could have been set in America. It would just be a different house um, architecture and a different, you know, XYZ, but like every place has class divide. Mm-hmm. Um I I just would love everyone to not just discover more of Bong Joon-ho's career, but to look more into Korean films and look more into just films in general that aren't from America because you're missing out on
0: a lot <laughs> yeah, i would like this to be a stepping stone for myself and yeah some more because i mean definitely i i haven't had as much exposure to that and sought that out as much uh-huh. as i should be so
1: i mean immediately after this we're both gonna listen to k-pop <laughs> 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 yeah um did you have a favorite performance or something like that
0: uh, i think definitely the dad mm-hmm. it's hard to hard to beat his performance his character was so likable yeah uh, just a funny character in a lot of ways this is a it's a dark comedy it's it is really yeah
1: i hope we i'm glad you mentioned that because it is really funny Mm -hmm. at times um but yeah some of the some of the shots are just insanely well done and it felt in a way satisfying even though it doesn't leave you with everything you want it just feels like satisfying to have an ending that was thought out and and you would not like well what about this little thing mm. or what about that I thought it was really clever how the father escaped the situation mm-hmm. I was like oh uh, I think that makes sense I, <laughs> yeah like,
0: good
1: yeah so go see Parasite and you can rent it on Amazon like we $6. did yeah um or you could try to find it in a select theater near you um go to Spotify and listen to Kishibashi's Omiyara e Omiyari, Omiyari. Omiyari. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and just check out different people from different places. It's very surprising to me that the Academy did a good job this year. At
0: least with their best picture nomination. Well,
1: they did a good job on a lot of them. I'm I'm proud of them, (laughs) even if it was for technical reasons. Yeah, it's getting better. Yeah. Thanks for listening. listening. We really appreciate it, guys. Um, uh, Let us know uh, if you have any suggestions for episodes. Let us know if you have. Any suggestions overall, share with your friends, share with your family. Um, uh, let us know what you think about Parasite. What about Kishibachi too? Um, enjoy, and we're happy you listened. Thank you.
0: Till next time, folks.
1: Yes.